Hello and welcome to the Property Buyers and Sellers podcast. We broadcast weekly talking about all things UK property. So if you're interested in the UK property market, I hope you'll find something in our broadcasts to help inspire and entertain you. So take us with you on your journey in your car or whilst walking out and about or just in your home. So welcome along and thanks for joining us. My name is Ken Hume. I run an estate agency group in southwest London where we sell, let, auction, manage properties. And we talk about all things property together with current trends. Today, a few things I want to talk to you about. Selling your home with tenants in situ. This is becoming a bigger topic than ever now. This is where you've rented out your property and you're wondering how you can now sell it, how to break it to the tenants and what to do next. So stand by for that. We're coming on to that. We're also going to be doing a weekly news roundup, as always. And then we're going to be talking about future tech and trends in property. What does the future hold for property? What sort of things might we see? So stand by for that. In terms of what's going on in the news, first of all, Sadiq Khan has been mentioning rent controls. Um, part of his election pledge is that he's going to introduce rent controls to London. What might that mean for London property, I hear you ask? Well, there'd certainly be an ex exodus of landlords in and around the city. And how would that impact on things? Well, you know, the market's a supply and demand one. And the difficulty is that if you've got people that are currently bought in the last few years where prices have remained flat, then their rent levels are based on the income that they're currently getting. If that level was suddenly to dip, they would actually have no choice but to exit the market or find the difference between the rent and their mortgage payments from their own salaries, which for most small landlords is something that they wouldn't be prepared to do. Further, there are certain landlords that are marginally getting by already. So if you imagine that those landlords might be investing for the future of their children's education, quite often it's about their future retirement. And all of a sudden, it's no longer the case that they can sit on that property and expect it to earn for them, but actually they've got to contribute to it. Uh, then they'll be off. And the problem is that that dip in supply will lead to a huge increase in demand for property and no supply. And when that happens, you tend to find that we get into a situation like we were a few years back when it was a desperate situation, no new landlords coming into the market and rents were being pressed upwards and upwards. Of course, with rent controls, they couldn't be pushed upwards and there would just be no, there'd be a dearth of, of accommodation available for people. So it's a real problem. And I know Mr. Khan thinks that this is a solution, but I really don't think it is. I think it's going to be a problem if he brings that about, depending on the level of rent that is set, but we'll see on that. Other news, demand for London properties has plummeted, says spareroom.com. They're saying that the biggest drop of demand was in the West End. And that's hardly surprising, is it? In the middle of a pandemic, when we think that obviously if people aren't tele are telecommuting and they're not going to work anymore, they're not using the city. Well, of course, demand for London rental properties will dip. And we suspect that will be the case for some time. But as the pandemic slowly, slowly comes to an end, we suspect that will change around and we'll start to get stronger demand in and around the London area. Certainly what we're finding at the moment is in southwest London that rents have dipped, 
but they haven't fallen off a cliff. Um, so there are still people out there. The demand is still there. But because there's not a dearth of available property, uh, it just means that rents are having to correct and come down slightly. And then people are finding the correct level. Cutting business rates to save the high street. Um, the boss of Next has said that retail stores business rates should be slashed by 35% in order that they survive. Well, we're coming on to that in future tech in terms of what we think of that situation. And going on to the Chancellor, first of all, let's talk about stamp duty because I know that's on everybody's mind. What is going on? What's, what's going to happen next? What's the Chancellor going to do? There has been talk this week. There's lots and lots of talk about a six-week extension. This has been leaked by The Telegraph, a paper that's known to have links to the Tory party. And we think that this is the government testing the theory to see what the reaction of the markets and the country is with regards to a small extension. Initially, there was talk about substantial performance for the six-week deadline so that if you're involved in a transaction already or you've sold your property already, the six-week window would be a time where you would have to show that you were already proceeding with a sale. I see that as complex and not very workable easily, and there'll be lots of people trying to work out ways around it. And so I suspect that we'll just see a straightforward six-week extension to the current rules rather than a substantial performance clause, meaning that your sale has to have been proceeding already in order to benefit from the six-week extension. We'll see. Of course, none of us can know if he's going to extend or not at this stage, um, but it does seem to me that all of the trend in journalism seems to be towards that six-week extension. So watch this space. When we get more news, we'll give it to you. When we expect to hear this is on the budget, in the budget on March the 3rd. That's when we think Rishi will announce what his intentions are with regards to this. There has been talk in the government as well about mortgages for first-time buyers, helping first-time buyers, which I've said for some time I think is critical to assisting the younger generations onto the market. And this is a scheme where, like help to buy, except helping people that are buying properties on the second-hand market. The help to buy scheme never really worked. And the reason it never worked is it handed carte blanche to developers, who are the only ones that could use help to buy, to take advantage of the situation. So what would happen is first-time buyers looking for help to buy schemes would be restricted to certain schemes only that actually had help to buy schemes. And those properties would then be increased in value due to the massive demand because, of course, they were the only ones in the country that you could buy with a 95% loan. That needs to be changed. And people need to be able to get 95% loans at reasonable rates. And hopefully the government will do something to help with that. There has been talk of it. I just hope it's not going to be angled towards the new build market because I think that would be a massive mistake. Now, selling with tenants in situ. Let's talk about that. Um, one of the things I've come across more and more over the last few weeks is landlords thinking about selling um, and they've got tenants in the property. And their first question is, how do we do this? What do we do? And it's a very good question. Um, and if you're in this situation, I hope this will help you. First of all, because we're in the pandemic, first thing to consider is that you need to give your tenants six months notice. Yes, you did hear that correctly. At the moment, under the pandemic rules, your tenant needs six months notice. That's six months from the rent due date. And you need to be careful about how you draft that. I should add, this is not legal advice. You need to seek that independently. But certainly the rules are that you need to give six months notice to your tenant. Now, how do you get around this if you're a seller and you want to sell quicker than that? Well, there are a number of options open to you. 
And in our experience, the first thing is you need to have dialogue with your tenants. They're going to find out sooner or later. And I know it's an awkward conversation for you to have with them. Um, we know that when you have a good relationship with your tenants, as most landlords do, contrary to popular belief, most landlords and tenants have excellent relationships and most managing agents and tenants have good relationships. And it's very, very awkward when, especially when a tenant that was hoping that this would be their long term home is suddenly told your landlord wants to sell. It's very, very awkward. What often happens as well to compound the problem is that contrary to popular belief, most small landlords are decent folk, as are most tenants. And what happens is that they let the rent drift at current levels. So what I mean by that is where rents have increased exponentially over the last few years, landlords are quite likely to have left their tenants alone and not increase the rent over maybe five or 10 year periods. The difficulty this presents is now if you wish to sell to an investor with a tenant in situ, your rent may be 50% under the current levels. Um, what that means is that if they bought at the current open market value, there would be no yield. So therefore, it wouldn't be of interest to a buy-to-let investor. So this is a problem that we see constantly, and it's a tricky one. So if you have tenants in situ, have dialogue with them, have a chat with them and decide which way to go. Your options are as follows, really. Number one, serve notice and wait it out, but it will be six months. Compounding that fact is that if they choose to stay put at the end of six months, you do have to evict them via the courts. And because there are backlogs in the courts again because of the pandemic and they'll still be there six months from now for sure, it's quite likely that it could be as much as 12 months before you could get vacant possession if your tenants were going to be difficult. Uh, most tenants are good. And when they're told that their animal wants to sell, they'll accept the period of notice and they'll move out at the end of the period. But if they don't, you cannot just walk in and you cannot throw them out. You have to apply to the courts, go through a process. And at the moment, the courts have such backlogs that that will be a problem for you. So consider that very carefully. So what are the other options? Well, if your current rent is close to open market levels, then you could sell to an investor. You will have to sell at a discount to the price you might achieve for an owner occupier because there are different motivations. You know, buy to let investors, obviously, they're just looking at the yield. And if the yield doesn't stack up for them, they will not purchase because they're not living there themselves. What they're interested in is when I pay this money out, how much do I get back? And so if that works for them, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Whereas a first time buyer or owner occupier moving from another property are looking at it as a family home and therefore what it might yield is neither here nor there to them. What they want is a home that's comfortable and right for them and appears good value to them compared with everything else in the marketplace. Now, what might you do to circumvent this? Well, the first thing is some landlords give tenants incentives by dropping the rent slightly to help with viewings. That's one thing we see a lot. So this is where you might say to your tenants, give us, we'll give you a discount of £100 a month or whatever you the ratio is in order that you show the property for us or help us to show or help our agents to show or accommodate viewings on a certain day, whatever compromise you can reach with them. Obviously, you've got to be sensitive to the fact we're in a pandemic and, you know, PPE would be expected by tenants quite rightly and limit the number of people. We as an agency limit it to two people per viewing with uh, no exceptions to PPE worn rule. Um, on from that, you might want to incentivize your tenants by offering a cash sum. This is something we've seen as well. One of our landlords recently asked us to negotiate with tenants and we came to a, an agreement with the tenants where the landlord would pay X thousand pounds and in return, the tenants would vacate early.
what this did was it gave the tenants the cushion they needed because of the rent increase they were invariably facing because their current rent was lower, um, but also freed up the property for the landlord, meaning that he could get a much higher price than he would have done with tenants in situ, let alone a quicker sale from the fact that it's vacant, because even with landlords, some of them will still want it vacant. So what can you do if you want to sell with tenants in situ? Number one is sell with investors in mind at a lower figure than you would to a first time buyer. Take advice from your agents on that. In our experience, that can be anywhere from 10 to 15 percent under current market value. But expect there to be a difference. There will be. Um, so this is a problem. I know there's no easy solution to it. Um, but dialogue with your tenants in our experience is the answer and going from there. If you need any advice on that, of course, we're here to help. But that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about telling you what's going on in property. And right now, that's a very, very common trend. We are finding younger investors coming into the property market as well uh, and investing in, in buy-to-lets right now. And that's quite nice to see uh, and encouraging for the future of the market. Of course, one of the things that we're a little concerned about in the budget is that somehow the Chancellor has to find money one of the ways he might do that is to tweak with capital gains tax, and this will affect future profits of landlords if they sell properties. And depending on what he does, we may find that landlords hold on and continue to take the income, or we might find that they get out fearing that he might hit even harder at a later stage. I think if it's feathered in especially, uh, you might find some landlords take advantage. And by feathered, I mean perhaps increased slowly over a number of years. Now, future trends. What can we expect in future trends in property? The situation at the moment is really interesting because we've got the growth of AI, artificial intelligence, which is driving everything, isn't it? And obviously, we've had the growth of the portals, the likes of Rightmove and Zoopla being all dominant in terms of search and becoming a one-stop shop for people to start looking for their property. But what are future trends in property? What are the things that we can expect to make major changes to the way we interact with property? Well, I think we can see more immersive situations coming on with the um, new goggles that are coming out and the whole 3D experience where you can virtually walk around properties. We're already seeing the growth of videos. And one thing that we've seen through the pandemic is a growth of things that we expected to come in the next few years being brought forward. And I'm particular in particular relating to videos and walk around videos. This has now become the norm that there's a virtual viewing before the viewing. And in fact, we're doing virtual valuations as well. And we've noticed a trend of lenders doing more of what we call desktop valuations. And this is where they don't even visit the property. It's quite common, believe it or not, that instead of the value of going around and looking at the property, they will actually do a desktop exercise by using the data from land registry for previous sales in the road, doing a quick Google street view, perhaps driving past, but not actually physically entering the property and providing there's a certain margin between the price and the loan that's required. Sometimes they're allowing the mortgage without having a surveyor set a single foot inside the property. So we see the virtual valuations uh, coming to the fore and may well be the norm actually in the future where lenders actually are prepared to do valuations on properties without the valuer stepping foot inside the property. Of course, that doesn't mean buyers that you shouldn't have a survey, a physical survey. And, you know, you should go for a member of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors to have an independent survey, particularly if you're new to this business. I know some of my established investors know what they're looking at and are confident they might know the street the type and style of property, 
But if you're not sure, invest that extra bit of money and get a good surveyor along to physically look at it. But that doesn't impact on the mortgage. So what we see is a streamlining then in terms of the mortgage, and that should speed things up substantially. And that has to be a good thing. Another thing on the rental side, just springing over to lettings and future tech, open banking is already having a large effect, and this will get bigger in our opinion. Um, one of the things you're able to do is request information from someone else's account. And the information that's particularly interesting to landlords is, of course, past rental payments. And it will be possible. In fact, it's possible now for tenants to share their rental history and their rental banking history with you without sharing the rest of their transactions so that you could actually get their payments that they've paid to a previous landlord. You could see all those going through their account. How much of a confidence boost would that be for you, landlords? We know you'd love that. And that's something that's available already. And we see that integrating with rent guarantee policies, which is not at the moment. And as it does, that will be uh, a great way for the insurers to mitigate risk and for landlords to mitigate risk as well. And you'll be able to see instantly when or if that tenant defaulted in the past. And those records will be invaluable in analyzing whether or not this is the kind of tenant you want to take. And what it will mean is that tenants will know that their reputation is on the line with rental payments in the way that it hasn't been in the past. And that'll be a really interesting change. A little bit like with your mortgage now, you dare not default on mortgage payments knowing that it will show up in your credit report. We could see a situation in the future where there'll be things like rental passports, where you'll be able to show that your rent payments have been verified over a number of years and that you've been a good creditor in that respect. And this will be invaluable for landlords and tenants because it will streamline the process. And that's what good tech should always be about, isn't it? Now, in terms of other future trends in property, the one thing that I'm really intrigued about because I'm a bit of a geek is self-driving cars. And I think this is coming sooner than we imagine. We've already seen the likes of Tesla doing some incredible things with self-driving. And they're almost at the point now where their cars can drive around autonomously. And we expect that the acceleration of that through artificial intelligence will come sooner than expected. And when it does, this will lead to the rise of the driverless cab. Can you imagine? It's hard to think about, isn't it? That you could summon a cab on your phone in the way that you do with Uber. And then that car would come to your door without a driver. And then that would take you to where you want to go. Now multiply that up and imagine that you're in London and there are driverless cars all around the streets that self-sanitize. Um, you can imagine a situation where what would be the point of owning a car? There would be no need because the cars would be available to you by summoning at the touch of a button and it would be substantially cheaper than owning your own. Better than that, you don't need a parking space. And then you think about how that might impact on the environment and society. There'll be less cars out there. The cars that are out there will probably be electric or certainly uh, emission neutral. It, it, let's hope anyway. And in that regard, then think about housing and how that would impact and car parks. What about car parks? If you've got self-driving cars and you're summoning them as and when you need, why would you need a car park? These cars would just go off and dock at a central uh, station and then come to you when you needed them. And then from there, what about parking and garages with your home? You wouldn't need them. Then think about green spaces. You can have a drop-off point outside a number of houses where these cars could pull in, drop off, and then you would walk to your house across a beautiful lawn, perhaps, or a really ornate pedestrian-only area. High streets would be 
completely pedestrian because there'll be no need for cars. There would just be docking areas where you could drop off and, and pick up. And I see this as a major change because then all of those car parks could be developed for accommodation, for instance, or for other uses, perhaps for recreation. So I think the rise of the driverless car will have a massive impact on the market and it would be great to see what happens there. In terms of future trends generally, we also think that there still will be no substitute for dealing with people, regardless of the growth of AI. There is absolutely no question that people will still want to deal with people and they'll want to negotiate with people directly when it comes to house buying and selling. So as much as there'll be the growth of AI and the logic systems will be better and better in the way that we search for property and perhaps the virtual viewings will become better and better, including those immersive 3D experiences, we also think that there will be no substitute for the physical person with good experience all round that can advise you on things like what the rental yield might be, how the process works, what are the legal implications of certain leasehold property service charges and the like. And um, no doubt these things will become more streamlined over time. One of the things that's great to see, and that's definitely happening in the future, is that they're getting rid of leasehold. And especially with new houses, they've already done so. But the whole leasehold situation where buyers are beholden to a freeholder is changing. And that legislation is going through at the moment. We'll have more details when we get them. Uh, and that will make a really interesting change as well. So that's it this week. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Take care of yourselves and your families. We'll be back next week for another podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves and your families. Stay safe. And